0: Do you really know what it means to be redeemed, right. oh, yeah. to be saved from your lost right. condition, right. Amen. to have the Spirit of Almighty God Amen. Amen. talk with you, right. commune with you, guide you, give you fellowship with the saints of God, give you understanding of the Word of God? Do you really know what it means to be redeemed? Amen. God has so wondrously blessed yes. us. Yes. There's something about this campground and this group of people and the love of God that I feel when I come here and the preaching of the word and the hugs and the kisses and the pats on the back that stirs my heart to the core. I am so glad I have found the sweet pathway. I am so glad that I have been redeemed. Not with corruptible things as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ who offered himself as a lamb without blemish and without spot. What do we owe God? We owe him everything. In him we live and move and have our being. As the certain prophets have also said, we are his offspring. Y'all bear with me. I get emotional and I can't help it. well i believe it's the love of god i believe that's the foundation for everything we have and everything we stand for is the love of god and where would we be without it when we gather into this campground and we cross through those arches and begin to crisscross through these aisles and meet up with people we haven't seen in a long time. and Lord, help. The song I think of, it says, Just as I am, Hallelujah. thy love unknown yes, has broken every barrier down. Lord, help. Just to be thine Lord. and thine alone, amen. O Lord. Lamb of God, I come. Amen. You know that the enemy, we have an adversary would like to put up barriers before us, yes, it would, yeah, would like it. to sow ill will in our hearts. But there's a victory that surpasses anything that he can Why? do. I think, in a certain sense, he don't come to Camp meeting. Why would he? I know in another sense that he does. But I think if I was him, I'd bypass this place when camp meeting was going on. So much spirit. So much power. So much love. I think if I was a devil, I'd just keep on driving by. The Lord has done wonderful works for the children of men. The conflict of our day is misinterpreted by many people. Some people think it's America against terrorism. Some people think it's Democrats against Republicans. Some people think it's communism against democracy. Some people think one thing and another. Yes, they do. The great conflict of our day is the same as it has always right. been. Yeah. It right. is right against wrong. Right. And you, you encounter it in your life, in your mind, in your heart. And there's only one way to overcome the wrong. Right. It's not willpower. No, it's, not. it's not support from your support group wherever they are. It is faith in the blood of Jesus Christ is the only thing that will give you power to overcome wrong. And it's always been that way. 11th chapter of Hebrews said, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than his brother Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous and by it, he being dead, yet speaketh. I think one scripture says, Thy brother's blood crieth to me from the ground. Yeah. The yeah. wrong is trying to kill the right. right. It's always been. It's always been. Saul tried to pursue David to his death. He tried. Haman and Mordecai. There's so many stories. John the Baptist had his head taken off because he preached the truth of God's Word. They crucified our Savior. The wrong has always been trying to destroy the right. But one song, I think it may be a Christmas song, it says, The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, good will to men we can prevail every wrongdoing that we encounter through the blood of Jesus Christ our Lord. <clears throat> you mean to say that? There's something in me wants to make excuses, put out disclaimers. you've got a lot of preachers here who could do a better job for this Sunday night but I don't believe you want me to do that. So if you'll pray for me I'll try my best. Amen. In my diminished state To preach the word of God right, Lord help. I'm not much of a pretender um, Scripture has been on my mind lately And I'll try to make this short um, I began recently to recognize How many books of the Old Testament Were related to one subject There's a lot And this subject Encompasses about 140 years Pretty good wide time span there It's centered on the captivity of Babylon When when God put the people of God in captivity under the king of Babylon That took up about 70 years of it That's about half There was a period before that time that caused the Babylonian captivity to occur was the period of time before that when the people of God went into gross transgression, went into idol worship. They made their idols. They took the stock of a tree. They overlaid it with gold and with silver. They set it up because it couldn't get up on its own They had to carry it because it it had to be born because it could not go on its own. They fashioned a mouth, but it could not speak. They fashioned ears, but they could not hear. They fell down and worshipped these things. And it was idolatry in, in the most gross sense that you can think of. And God, being the righteous God that he is and was, had to punish that. He had to punish that idolatry. They did so many things that were against God. After the transgression, God began to send them warnings. Transgression came first, the warnings came later. God sent his prophets, rising up early and sending them. They preached, they prophesied, they told Israel the things that they were doing. They persuaded them, they did everything they could to... Influence them to turn their back on idolatry and witchcraft and many other things. But Israel was hard-hearted and stiff-necked and they would not be reproved. And God had to punish them. And uh, Jeremiah was the first prophet that began to put a time frame on it. Therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, Because ye have not heard my words... Behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, saith the Lord, and Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and will bring them against this land and against the inhabitants thereof and against all these nations round about and will utterly destroy them and make them an astonishment and a hissing and a perpetual desolations. Moreover, I will take from thee the voice of mirth, This is punishment from God. It was righteous punishment. It wasn't capital punishment. God didn't mean to kill them. He didn't mean to destroy them. He meant to reprove them. Perhaps like you would reprove a child. You had no malice. You had no ill will to the child. For the child's benefit, he needed to be reproved. He needed to be corrected. And this is part of the mercy of God. I will take from thee the voice of mirth and of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the bride, the sound of the millstone and the light of the candle. And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. And it shall come to pass when 70 years are accomplished that I will punish the king of Babylon. And that nation, saith the Lord, for their iniquity and the land of the Chaldeans and will make it perpetual desolations. Right. The travels of the children of Israel were tumultuous, if that's the right way to say that. They had a lot of things to go through. They had yeah, they, they found themselves as they began to flourish and multiply, they discovered themselves as captives in the land of Egypt. They couldn't get out. They were overpowered. Egypt was the greatest nation in the face of the earth at that time. Pharaoh was the strongest man alive at that time. And here were these children of Israel. But God reached down and called Moses. And you all know the story of the plagues. And with a mighty hand and a stretched out arm, the God of heaven brought those people, those children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt. Amen through the Red Sea through the wilderness across the Jordan River by the hand of Joshua and began to give them their inheritance in the land of Canaan. It was not a peaceful time. They had many battles to fight. They had wars to win. They had prophets to listen to. They had a lot of things to do. He raised up King David. David's tenure as the king, the second king of Israel was filled with trauma bloodshed, wars on every hand. He fled for his life. He was a great captain. He was a great man. But in the days of Solomon, the Lord gave them peace. They had conquered their enemies. They had filled the land of Canaan. God did this. And they began to decide that they needed to build a house for the Lord. The Lord chose Jerusalem to be his city it was really the town of the Jebusites it was called Jebus Salem later known as Jerusalem God chose that city God chose David a man after his own heart and because he was a man of war he would not allow him to build his house but he blessed his son and as Gary said last night I wish I could be as loose as he is while I'm wishing, I may as well wish I could preach like he could. I really enjoyed that. Good start off for our camp meeting. But God made promise to David and he made promise to Solomon and Solomon began to build him a house. And he prayed when he knelt on that scaffold. And he prayed unto God and he said, but will God in very deed Dwell with men on earth? We were singing a moment ago, he abides. Can I answer that question? Will God indeed dwell with men on the earth? Mortal men, sinful men, lost men. Will God, the God of heaven, the creator of the ends of the earth, The God that spoke the world into existence and put everything in motion and it's still in motion today. Doesn't need to have to come correct it. Doesn't have to alter the course. Doesn't need rocket boosters to change this and to change that. It's still in orbit today just like God said it would be. That's the God that will God indeed in very deed dwell with men on earth. Praise the Lord. He does. He abides. Amen. Hallelujah. He abides with Amen. me. Amen. He abides with you. And when we get together and begin to mix our voices in praise to the Lord, Amen. there's something that ties us together. Right. The saints of God Amen. breaks every barrier down. And I pray God that we would put our trust and our confidence in the Lord. Amen. Okay, so they had to be punished. David wrote in the 101st Psalm, I will sing of mercy and judgment. You might think they're opposites. They're really not. I think there's a word called a continuum. They're part of the same, they're on opposite ends. They're on opposite ends, and they work towards the middle. In the middle is mankind. Condemned to die. Chasing chasing him is mercy. Mercy chasing the man. Trying to deal with him. Trying to convince him. Trying to persuade him. We sometimes call it conviction. It's purely the mercy of God. It begins to work work with people and show them the error of their way. Judgment, on the other hand, begins to approach. Because judgment must, must be rendered to the wrong. It right. yeah. has to be. But mercy pushes it back. Yeah. says, I need a little more time. And judgment retreats and gives mercy a little more time. Thank God. This mercy of God is hard to describe. Yes, it is. Yeah. When God put those children in bondage under the Babylonians, this was a different bondage from Egypt they didn't do anything to, to be in bondage in Egypt like we didn't do anything to find ourselves in bondage under sin we found ourselves that way that's why we discovered ourselves when we came to be young teenagers we found out we were doing things that we ought not to do and wanting to do a whole lot more things than we ever did it was carnality right. taking hold. Mercy was chasing us. Judgment was chasing us. Mercy pushed him back, said, "I need a little more time." That captivity was not intended to destroy the house of Israel. It was not intended to destroy. It was not intended to be their demise or their end. It was a. It was mercy and judgment working together with an objective. The objective was to show the children of Israel their transgressions and their sins and bring them back unto God. That's what the captivity was all about. That's what God brought them to that state of affairs to be. And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. And it shall come to pass when seventy years are accomplished that I will punish the I read all that. Excuse me. I got some more scripture here if I can find it. Jeremiah gave recommendations to the people that found themselves captive in the land of Babylon. Lord help. He didn't want them to go there and die. This is what he said. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. Build ye houses, and dwell in them, and plant gardens, and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives. He didn't want to destroy them. He didn't want to hurt them. He didn't want to punish them. He wanted to bring them to the realization that they need to serve Serve the Lord. Lord Take ye wives, beget sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters. That you may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city whether I have caused you to be carried away captive. And pray unto the Lord for it for in the peace thereof shall ye have peace. Thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you. God had a preordained plan. This was not trial and error. He wasn't making decisions as he went along. He knew from the beginning what he was doing. He knew how long it would take. And he he gave his word to the apostles and the prophets and they began to speak the word of the Lord caused Jeremiah to be thrown in a dungeon. He was acquitted, but he was thrown in prison because of the word of the Lord that he spake. I want to tell you something, I have great respect for these prophets that I read about in the Old Testament. Seems like they were not in the normal course of men. They were not going and meeting and greeting and doing things, they were somehow secluded. God sequestered them, put them away. But when he needed his words spoken, he called them forth. They and they church. came out and began to proclaim the word of the Lord just like God spoke to them Amen. at the risk of their life. life. Yes. I have great respect for that. The holy prophets, which have been since the world began, and I thank God that we have record of it, left of it here. Okay, after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward right. you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace right. and not of evil to give you an expected end. This was God working with his people. I think that we need to. Solicit the chastening of the Lord. I think we need to seek for the chastening of the Lord. That God will mold us and make us into the vessel that he would have us to be. It may be painful. It may be a little suffering on our part. But we need to be like the clay in the potter's hand. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to save thee. Though I make a full end of all nations, whether I have scattered thee, yet will I not make a full end of thee, but will correct thee in measure, and will not leave thee altogether unpunished. This 140 year span I was talking about encompasses the transgression, the warnings, the 70 years of captivity and God giving those people a second chance to go and build back their city and their temple and the walls of the city and the gates thereof and bring back the golden vessels that was taken captive by the king of Babylon. God raised up a foreign king, a Persian king to, to command these people. I, always, I thought for a long time that he granted them permission no, he commanded them. Cyrus, the king of Persia, the first king of Persia, who came in after the fall of Babylon, found favor with God, and God inspired him to command these people to go back and build the temple, and these be the days of Ezra, Ezra and Nehemiah. The books that, that address this subject Are some I can't remember all of them, but Isaiah prophesies of the of the captivity of Babylon. Jeremiah spends many many chapters on it. Ezekiel, Daniel's whole tenure of the book of Daniel was when he was a captive slave in the in in the land of Babylon. God blessed him there. He must have blessed these people that built houses and married wives and husbands. God's hand was on them. They were his people, yeah. the sheep of his pasture. He never meant to destroy them. He corrected them in righteousness. Right. He, ne- he, never, he never tried to hurt them. His correction, his penalty, his suffering of them in the land of Babylon was for their good. Right. How can you criticize a God like that? That's right. <laughs> Why criest thou for thine affliction? Thy sorrow is incurable for the multitude of thine iniquity, because thy sins were increased. I have done these things unto thee. Therefore all they that devour thee shall be devoured. And all thine adversaries, every one of them, shall go into captivity, and they shall spoil, and they that spoil thee shall be a spoil, and all that prey upon thee will I give to a prey. For I will restore health unto thee, and I will heal thee of thy wounds, saith the Lord. What a great prophecy the Lord gave to those people. After they had been through that 70-year captivity period, God came down and began to work things that were miraculous. They gathered people up together. They went back to Jerusalem. They began to build. They had adversaries. They had Problems they had people against them, ridiculed them, despitefully used them. Right. Said if a fox goes up on this wall, the whole thing's gonna fall down. Oh, yeah. I, su- I suppose we're talking about stone walls. I think I perhaps there were stone walls, uh, but they kept working. They began to build the temple. The adversaries came to the king, and I think there were. There were several of these Persian kings. Cyrus was the first. There was a Cyrus one and two, and I have to admit I get a little confused when I try to figure it all out with Bible dictionaries, and I can't quite follow it. But there were Persian kings named Xerxes and Artaxerxes and Ahasuerus. Ahasuerus, I think, is the one that Esther married in that day. Was Ahasuerus? And God began to. Listen, there's no situation in life God can't come in and take control of. Anywhere you find yourself, under any conditions, when you begin to turn your face to Jerusalem like Daniel did and pray to this place, I almost think this in our day is like Jerusalem. I'm not sure which way to turn my face when I'm in Greensboro. I don't know really where where the campground is. I know how to get on 85 South and start... Out that way, but somehow or other in my mind and in my heart this is a sacred spot. It's a place for us to come together. It's a place for God to fulfill his will and His word toward us. It's a place to heal every ill. It's a place that God will bless us and cause us to be fruitful and multiply in the earth and God will bless us if we keep our trust in him. I will restore health unto thee. And will heal thee of thy wounds Sometimes when I started to tell you a while ago A moment ago The adversaries Of this movement came to the king And said You need to stop this work If you'll check the records You'll find these people Are like prone to insurrection Whatever that means And no good, they give them a bad report, and lo and behold, the king put a stop work order on it. He did. They had already started the building, they were building the walls, and the king put a stop work order on it. And I'm not sure how long that lasted, but perhaps around 13 years. Now, if you begin to prophesy good when things are going good, You haven't really done very much, but when things are at their low ebb, and a prophet of the Lord arises and said, "We will build this house, we will build these walls, we will build these gates, we will restore this temple," Gary read last night in Haggai, "Who seen? Who have saw this house in its first glory?" And the end of that scripture is says, "In your eyes was it as nothing." but the glory of this latter house will surpass the glory of the first. And I don't know what this new building holds for our sanctuary. It seems like it's a little much to me, but I'm here with you. Whatever you do, I want to be a part of it. But I know that when God comes down and begins to work, God's work surpasses everything. I think this prophecy in Zechariah perhaps was made during the time that the stop work order was on. The building of the temple and the... And, um, Therefore saith the Lord, I am returned to Jerusalem with mercies, my house shall be built in it. Saith the Lord of hosts, and a line shall be stretched forth upon Jerusalem. I guess that means construction. We have engineers to get us started now, but we used to have build batter boards and stretch lines. That was part of the first thing that we did, was stretch lines. A a line shall be stretched upon Jerusalem. Cry yet, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, My cities through prosperity shall be spread abroad, and the Lord shall yet comfort Zion, and yet shall choose Jerusalem. And I lifted up mine eyes again, and looked, and behold, a man with a measuring line in his hand. And I said, Whither goest thou? And he said unto me, To measure Jerusalem, and to see what is the breadth thereof, and what is the length thereof. This is familiar scripture with you Bible readers. I know that. And behold, the angel that talked with me went forth, and another angel went out to meet him, and said unto him, Run! Speak to this young man, and say that Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls for the multitude of men and traffic therein. Tamara, this afternoon, read about the fire of God yes, did. around God. the city of God. Amen. God caused fire to come down from heaven and consume the altars when Solomon prayed. Brother Gary read us last night, your candlestick's no good without a candle. Your candle's no good without a fire. We need the fire of God to come down, bless our hearts, fill us with a determination to seek the Lord with everything we've got. We need the fire of the altar to come down and bless the people of God. And I pray that He will. So what does all this mean, this 140-year period? So many books. Zephaniah, Zechariah, Haggai, Jeremiah. Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Habakkuk, Hosea, all of these books relate to this period of time. Transgression, warnings, punishment, and another chance to start all over again and do things that are right. And I ask myself, what does this mean to us today? And I say there's some in this building tonight that have let transgressions destroy your building. you failed to hearken to the word of the Lord. You went your own presumptuous ways. You thought you could find something in the world. You thought the glitz and the glitter of the world was more valuable than the precious jewels of the Holy Spirit of God. And you allowed the enemy to come in and destroy your life. God sent you warnings. He sent your mothers, He sent your fathers, He sent your preachers and ministers and prophets to tell you, to warn you that you need to flee from the wrath to come. You failed to heed those warnings. You failed to heed those warnings. God had to bring punishment on you. Somehow or other your life become miserable. You didn't have the joy that you ought to have. You didn't have the sweet spirit of God within your heart. It was a punishment. It was not capital punishment. God didn't mean to hurt you. He didn't mean to destroy you. He meant to wake you up. He meant to punish you in such a way that would bring you back to the cross. So the transgression, the warnings, the captivity. And then what happens? God gives you a chance to go back and rebuild. You can rebuild the destroyed life that you have experienced. You can go back and rebuild the temple. You can fight with one hand, with a tool in one hand, and a sword in the other. But God will give you grace to rebuild your house. You can do it. You don't have to spend your life in, in captivity. You don't have to spend your life in, de- in despair. God has given you another chance. He gave Israel another chance to go back. Whosoever will, Cyrus said, his God being with him, go and build And they went and built and they went into the temple and they began to take out the rubbish and get rid of all the trash. You need to get rid of all those things and God will give you grace to build your house. God will give you another chance. He is a God of second chance. It's a function of the mercy of God. I will sing of mercy and of judgment. And that mercy if you will listen, if you will obey the voice of the Lord will push judgment back until you get yourself in a place where you can stand the righteous judgment of God Amen. that's about all I got to say I love the Lord I love the people of God you have, I believe you love me if you don't you are one bunch of what shall I say fakes because you, you show me in every way that you love me. I feel it. I feel it when I lie down at night when there's no one there. When I take the word of God and read it. I hope it's been a blessing to you and I ask you to pray for me.